Our Holy Gospel today is from the ninth chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 38. Glory to you, O Lord. Teacher, John said, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name came in the next moment to say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worms do not die and the fire is not quenched. And everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to uh, pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I think the most powerful part of that prayer, as I continue to pray that prayer, is send forth your Spirit and we shall be created. There's always something hopeful in there that says that there's possibilities for us to continually be learning and changing. And then that second part of that, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Again, something very hopeful about that that says that we're not giving up on God and God is not giving up on us. We have, uh, we have some posters over there, some, some uh, what, do, what do you call those, banners over there on the side of our sanctuary. And the one that stands out First and foremost, as it says, welcoming all. You know, last week Jesus was talking to his disciples about welcoming even the child into our midst. And yet, these disciples, it's, it's, it's almost like they, 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 they don't have ears. Or whatever it is that's coming into their ears, it's like going in one ear and out the other. It's like they're not listening. You know, as I've thought about this text this week... And Jesus addressing the disciples, or I think one of the things that we need to continually remind ourselves, and, and a couple, two, three weeks ago, we had a passage where Jesus was asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who, what, what, what's the word on the street? First he said, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And I, I think the disciples were still not quite sure. After spending all this time with Jesus, they still had not yet figured out, and they still hadn't quite got a grasp upon who Jesus is to them and for them. And I think that we too, that's something that's a part of the, the process of our walk of faith. And I think we need to re be reminded again and again and again that, that this is Jesus. This is Jesus, the incarnate 
Son of God, who came into the world in human flesh and human form. As, as I think about just the concept that God came into the world in human flesh, and everything that I've known about God up until this point, and everything that I've read about God in Scripture, is that, is that God is a, a, a much, God is, a, 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 and Jesus, they have a much broader, they have a much more inclusive view and understanding of how God and Jesus work in the world because they are divine. Jesus is divine. And he has a much broader and more inclusive view of understanding how his presence in the world was making an impact. And the disciples hadn't quite figured that out yet. Jesus coming into the world was having impact upon people other than the disciples themselves. I mean, think about all the people that Jesus has already encountered. All the people who have witnessed Jesus and have seen the power of God in the person of Jesus. Through Christ's work in the world, people other than the disciples have started to realize that the kingdom of God had come near to them in the person of Jesus. And as I think about, and as I have reflected upon the life of Jesus, the whole point of Jesus coming into the world was for that sole purpose, to have the kingdom of God come near to us and into the lives of all of God's creation, you and me. And yet apparently the disciples still seem to have these blinders on. The disciples are all walking around like this. And they're going, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. We're the ones. We're the in-group. Nobody else is in except us. You know, we're the ones that really... And, and yet, you know, I, I find that quite ironic. I really find it quite ironic because just a few previous verses, Jesus is extending this invitation to these children, and yet the disciples, just a few moments later, or who knows what the timing was, but just a few moments later, we find the disciples saying that they've been trying to stop this dude from doing good acts in the name of Jesus. I, find it, I also find it ironic that the disciples were trying to stop a person from casting out demons. And yet, if we just go back a few verses, let's just go back a few verses to the 18th verse of chapter 9, where we heard that the disciples themselves were not even able to cast out demons. And yet, here they are. Don't you find that ironic that they're trying to stop this guy, you know, who's, who's casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and, and yet they themselves couldn't even do it? You know, I, I wonder, have these disciples not even given consideration to the idea or the reality that Jesus' transformative work is already happening in the world? And that other people have come to have a faith and a belief such that they are giving witness to and living out their faith and their belief in such a way as to see demons being cast out in the name of Jesus? I mean, were these blinders on these disciples such that they could not even give consideration to the fact that the transformative power of Jesus was already at work in the world and other people? It makes me wonder, who are these disciples who think that they have the authority and the decision-making power to decide who is and who is not a follower of Jesus. So what happens? What do we see here? We see Jesus calling out the disciples. It's like Jesus is basically saying, hey, wait a minute, guys. 
Don't stop him from doing acts in my name. If this person is not against us, they're for us. Don't become a stumbling block to others who are coming into their own understanding of the kingdom of God. People who have already began to grasp that I am the Son of God, that I am the incarnate Son of God, and that there's power in that. Don't become a stumbling block to that. It just seems all very ironic to me that this power trip that these disciples are on, because the disciples, they don't even understand what rising from the dead meant. Jesus had talked to them about that, and they were kind of spellbound. And they were themselves, just a few verses back, were not able to cast out demons. And then, just in a few verses back, Jesus was again foretelling and talking about his death and his resurrection. And these disciples, they couldn't even understand what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about his passion narrative. Where are they at? What, what makes them think that they have this power trip that thinks that they're the, they're the, they're the, in, the in group? that have the decision-making power to decide who's a follower of Jesus and who's not. You know, we've got a lot of sayings in this passage today, and a lot of the sayings are very hard sayings, and rightfully so. Because again, Jesus is calling out his disciples. These exaggerated statements about being thrown into the sea with a millstone or cutting off your hands or taking and taking out your eyes or cutting off your feet, it's hyperbole, it's exaggeration with the intent of making a point. And I think Jesus is really good at that. As I have read and as I have heard Jesus talk and speak, Jesus oftentimes speaks in exaggeration. He oftentimes speaks in hyperbole. And I think he's saying it to make a point more often than not. And in today's particular text, he's saying it to make a point. Stop being a stumbling block to the kingdom of God, coming near, coming into the lives of other people. It's time for you guys to start getting it. You know, it's like he's telling his disciples, don't you get it? Don't you get the bigger picture in this? That this is not just something, I didn't come into the world just for you. I came into the world for the sake of the entire world. You need to be open to the working of God. Stop trying to put Jesus and God in a box. I really think that's what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples today. One of the other things that we don't often, one of the things that we oftentimes forget when we look at Scripture and when we read Scripture is the fact that these words, especially these words from the Gospel of Mark, these words actually were discovered and probably recorded and written Somewhere between, we don't have an exact date, but they, some scholars say between 35 and 45 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that means that for a long time, for a real long time, this whole stuff about Jesus was passed on from oral tradition, oral tradition. The stories and all of these sayings of Jesus, they kept being passed on. It was a very important part of the culture of that time because there wasn't the access to you know, manuscripts and the ability to have uh, things that could be written down in, in, a riddle, red, in, a, in a ready form, that it was important for things to be passed on orally. And so you can imagine that over time, 
you know, through the work of the disciples, that, this, that these words and all of these stories about Jesus, they'd been shared from town to town and community to community. And so all throughout this time, over the period of these last 30 to 35 years, these early faith communities, they were trying to come to grips. They were trying to come to grips as they've heard these stories told over and over and over again. They were coming to grips with what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And they were asking those questions. Who's in and who's out? How do we determine who's a follower and who isn't? And I really believe that when Mark was recording these things, that these are some of the things that Mark himself, as the writer of these words, was dealing with and struggling with, was this whole idea that people out there were still trying to figure out who's a follower and who isn't. As I have reflected on this, passages this week, I know that I'm feeling a bit convicted myself. And the reason why I'm feeling convicted is because Jesus is calling me out. Because I'm just as guilty of it sometimes as the disciples. He's calling me out for all the times that I have failed to acknowledge or to celebrate the witness of other brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing good and faithful work for the sake of sharing Jesus with the world. How dare I think, how dare I think that the Lutheran church has the corner on the market on what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And yet, I can tell you from my own experience as being a lifelong Lutheran Christian that I have established my own biases and my own strong theological convictions, and that I have oftentimes caught myself thinking or saying, they don't have it right. That denomination isn't doing it right. Why do they do that over there at that church? That's not a part of how you live out being a Christian. I mean, that's so foreign to me. I've never had that experience being a Christian. Have you found yourself doing that before? Well, maybe you're all better than me, I guess. But I know for me, that's, that, 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 that struck a chord for me this week. How dare I think, how dare that I think, and maybe I can say it for a few of you, how dare we think that this Lutheran Christians have the corner on the market of what it means to be a disciple or follower of Jesus. You know, we held our first new member orientation class this past Thursday. And one of the very first things that I mentioned to the class, because we were talking a little bit about the Apostles' Creed. And in the Apostles' Creed, we say, we believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church. And that sometimes scares a lot of people because there's a difference between the big C and the little C. And in, the, in, in our Apostles' Creed, it's the little C. And that little c, when we use the word Catholic, it means we, we believe in the universal Christian church. That we as a Lutheran church family 
and faith community. We are a part of a greater universal Christian church, including the Baptists and the Episcopalians and the Presbyterians and the Pentecostals and the Orthodox and all of those people out there who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We are a part of all of that, even though our expression of faith is oftentimes very different from their expression of faith. We are simply only one part of this small, universal Christian expression in the world. The Spirit of God and the witness of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of the world, it is alive and well through multiple expressions all throughout the world. And who are we to say? Who are we to say that we have the right corner on the market? You know, as I've reflected on this passage today, I know I have also found this passage to be a bit hopeful. And one of the reasons why I found it to be a bit hopeful is because the very first word, the very first word that we hear from our passage today is the word teacher. That John, one of the disciples, had the insight and had the understanding to call upon Jesus as teacher. May we be so bold as to keep on looking to Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and to simply call upon him each and every day, not just as Lord and Savior, but also to look upon Jesus and call upon him each and every day to be teacher. And this has something to do with that opening prayer. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. That's part of that understanding of what it means for us to call upon Jesus each day to be our teacher. To believe that the spirit of God is still working and is still making things new and is still creating the world each and every day. And that Jesus and God, through the working of the Holy Spirit, is continuing to renew the face of the earth. And might part of our prayer be, teach me again today, Lord, to realize, as the prophet Isaiah says in verse 55, help us to realize that our ways are not your ways. Because the prophet Isaiah says this about God, or these are the words of God coming out of the mouth of Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts more than your thoughts. The words that go out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, and I will achieve it for the purpose for which I have sent it. I think we would all do well to celebrate the diversity of God's work in the world, and that we would do well to celebrate the diversity of the multitude of expressions of Christian witness in the world through all of the multiple ways in the universal Christian church in the ways in which that's happening right now. Jesus told his disciples, whoever is not against us is for us. And that's a hard one for me to swallow sometimes because I can't always relate well to the Pentecostals and I can't always relate well to the Roman Catholics and I can't always relate well to the community churches and I can't always relate well. You know what I'm saying. And yet God says, but they're not against you. They're, They're with us. Lord, teach us that your ways are not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts. Lord, teach us that you have a much broader, more inclusive view of how your spirit works in the world than any of us can ever realize or comprehend. Teach us to have that understanding 
of how your presence is being made known in the world through multiple expressions of faith. Let us not hinder or become a stumbling block to the others in their witness to the gospel. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.